So unfortunately, just like last week, we had some audio issues um, this time with the show. So I am extracting the audio from a live stream. So it is a little bit lower quality, but uh, hopefully you can still get through it. And uh, thank you guys for listening. This is From the Ground Up, the story of me starting my reptile business. Uh, we'll try to start at 5 o'clock again. I mean, you get anywhere close. Makes their problems. Yeah, so the knife is being propped up right now. Or the knife, the microphone is being propped up right now by a knife. So, disregard the huge knife that is there. Right. Ryan's watching. Ryan? Yeah. Well, well hi, Ryan. Glad you joined because the mic is being held up by a knife that <laughs> you own. I'm trying to. Ryan said, What the fuck did you do? Yeah, we'll explain. We'll explain when you get home. I uh, guess the mic, it's not really even fucking working audition, so this might have to. Nope, my mic was off. mic was off. Okay, so now my I'm going to do everything that it's in. Um, talk for me. Um, sorry, Ryan, someone said I'm gonna knife your mic. Oh, Ryan did that. Um, it'll be fixed, we promise. Yeah, I don't know, whatever, we're just gonna roll with this. But I wanted to tell you, I did talk to the vet today for the somnium. Oh, you called me back? Yeah, so I guess we're just going to do another round of different antibiotics. And then um, do like a topical cream also on the mouth. Maybe that will help. How easy is it going to be to apply a topical cream on the mouth of a Solomon ground ground boa? It will be really hard, but... (laughs) Yeah, and it's like I almost just want him to do the thing where he's going to have to, uh, uh my mom says there's no sound on the fucking YouTube. So, um, right, Ryan, people on Instagram, can you hear us? Ryan, can yeah, you hear us? Yeah, so that's a totally oh, that's my phone. Because right. we're muted on the fucking Google. Uh, I didn't now. do that. Okay, so now YouTube's working, Instagram's <laughs> working, hopefully everything's so, working. So, the Solomon Island Ground Bar. Oh, fuck it. Let's just do the whole thing over again. You saw that at the beginning. Can I say it? So, I brought this, or the, I talked to the vet for Salmonic Rambo. The first um, seven injections we did didn't work. So, there was literally no change in the abscess in your mouth. Over about a week? Over a week at out. least a week. You know, we did, we did, I believe it was six injections every other day. So, it was almost two, two weeks. weeks. Almost yeah. Two weeks. Uh, nothing happened. We're going to try different antibiotics, which doesn't seem, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just am a little skeptical that it's going to make any difference in comparison to what we just did. Um, but the other option is to bring her in and, um, you know, sedate her and they'll cut and drain the abscess. Okay, but he didn't want to do that. He didn't want to make that the next step. He wanted to try. He wanted to try a different antibiotic, which, I mean, I never really want to just throw antibiotics at stuff and overstream them, but whatever. I don't know. Audition's acting up. Yeah. It's... It doesn't really matter, but um, 
So, so I guess tomorrow he's going to give me a call and he gets it all done, and then I will just uh, pick it up and we'll start. Is he going to give you another like uh, six like this time? So we're going to do it for another uh, two no, weeks. I mean, it will probably be something different. I mean, okay. uh, you know, maybe it's something we do every day. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's an injection somewhere else. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Okay. And then if that doesn't work, you'll they'll go in and suck it out. Yeah, I mean, they'll have to make a cut and drain it. So. Okay. Oh, yeah. that's scary. Is that a sensitive area? Is there any risk yeah, of in that? Now, but not just in infection. I mean, that's really it, which is already happening. So I'm not really sure okay. what's going to happen. But, um, yeah. Well, we hope for the best. And hope. I mean, we'll see. We'll see tomorrow. There'll be more progress. Are we going to give her an injection tonight, or does that not make sense? Uh, no, I'm just going to wait, because if he wants an injection to happen tomorrow morning, he doesn't even know anything about it. There's no reason to inject it with something that's not working. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so no point. At least that is my thoughts on it. Okay, so we'll hope the new antibiotics work, or surgery. Yeah. And hope she gets better. Yep. And what else is there? Um... So I talked about in the video today, I had an idea basically to make a company that's more focused around reptile supply. So I wanted to make a product basically. Okay. You're going to describe that product? Somewhat. Yeah. I mean, I, it's going to be, you know, three years until I get, I don't know, because I'm going to keep that back a lot of palmetto stuff. And then if I make scale stuff, a lot of scale stuff. So I just feel like it's going to be forever until I have animals. So it's like people are always asking me for stuff, and I think I have an idea, which I wanted to do like three years ago. But I just never, it wasn't the right timing in the place I was in my life. I didn't have any money. I didn't have any anything. Mm -hmm. So I think now is a better time, and I have a better platform to do so. Okay. But wait. You switched from talking about reptile supply to scales and palmettos. No, I'm just saying that I will, what I said is I will produce scales and palmettos, but I'll be keeping a lot of those back and not selling them. Okay. Okay. So what I want is, you know, something to offer out there that's not an animal. And plus, I don't want to always depend on selling live animals. Mm -hmm. I just think that that puts you in a quandary in a gray area that I don't want to be in. So you want you want your brand and your business to be more than just snakes. Right. You want to help the breeder in other ways in their life. Or not their life, but I just I just think there's way too many cheap products out there, honestly. Really? Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's just not enough things that are focused more on the breeder and making it easier instead of uh, like, it's mostly based off of cost efficiency as far mm -hmm. as um, people don't want to spend as much money for their, to take care of their snakes at the same time. It is companies wanting to make profit margin. Mm -hmm. So they're making a cheap product for cheap prices. Would you say that most companies are making products for just the average pet keeper and not like breeder of snakes? Would you say most of them are? A little bit of both, I think. Like, there's not a great, 
there's not a good solution for one person going into Petco and getting a snake and you have to go for collar. Yeah. And getting a snake and having a proper enclosure for it. I don't think there's many good products for that, such for ball python holding humidity, stuff like that. But that's not really where I'm going in the beginning of it. Um, so I, I think on both fronts, things can be improved. And, um, you know, a bunch of it's hard because uh, there is cost to consider. And right, they can't make stuff that costs, you know, so much that they're not making money from selling it. No, and also, you know, reptile breeders are much more focused on spending money on snakes rather than the right. supplies to do it. So, so I think it, but it may be in their best interest to get something that lasts longer. So mm -hmm. maybe higher quality that lasts longer and also something that saves time. And I think I kind of, you know, at least with the first product I'm going to do as far as making a hide with something a little bit different and making it a more efficient piece of... Your mom says, sorry, your mom says still no sound. sound. Try turning up the sound on my computer. Um, I don't know if that will do anything, but we can try it and hopefully YouTube, yeah, people I mean, on YouTube... This should be playing through the input through the mic, but... Uh, what was I talking about? Sorry, you were talking about your first product that you want to sell or create and sell for your brand. First product, right. which is a hide right. that includes a... Well, right now uh, I'm working with like a 3D printer to create the design and, you know, have a system to where, you know, the hide is conjoined with a water bowl and will make your life easier basically and make a two-in-one a more efficient more cost efficient more time efficient product so having a water bowl by itself right now what are some concept like things that happen or that when, happen the, with when the water bowl separate i mean the snakes are always knocking it over okay and then also the snakes are always um what the hell is that talking about and the so they, they always knock the water bowl over. Mm -hmm. And then also you need to clean the water bowl separately than the hide. And it's just giving you more things to clean and more mm -hmm. things to do. And then this will also allow for a deli cup to use. So that will be faster in that way. Okay. So your hide water bowl combination would be allow for someone to still use deli cups and put it in the water bowl. Right. Okay. Um, and so you... What are the steps to that? You have to find someone to design or to code for the 3D printer? Is that how it works? Uh, someone needs to basically make a design which tells the 3D printer what to do. Okay. Um, so someone is going to do, you know, through a program, make a 3D print, and then the 3D printer reads that and then prints out something. And then also the 3D printers work with different kinds of plastics, so you have to pick a plastic that's going to be okay. good for the usage. And obviously it has to be something that's durable and, you know, a little bit heavyweight, but also has zero texture and is easy to clean. And this one's also going to have, you know, I want it to have less ridges than the current ones that are available. So, um... Uh, current water bowls or current hides? Both. Okay, a lot of them have ridges on them? Like, just any little corner for stuff to get stuck in is a bad thing. Yeah, and you think that's something that manufacturers or companies would think about when designing hides, that we don't want stuff to get stuck for the breeder. 
but for some reason that's on there. Um, I also was wondering, is there direct correlation between the size of the hide and the size of the water bowl that you choose to use for your snakes? Babe? What do you mean exactly? Okay, so you're designing, you're thinking about designing hides that are connected to water bowls. Right. Are you going to have, obviously you don't use the same, or do you use the same size hide for every snake? Let me ask that first. No. no okay, thought so. Yeah, but, so it's going to have to be a design that can be scaled up and down in order to make that's what different I'm saying. sizes for different stages of life, different species. When deciding species. what water bowl size to do with the hide, so it's like, if a hide is double the size, do you double the water bowl when you're, that's what I mean. Is there a direct correlation between it the hide size species. and the water Some bowl Some you size. definitely want a water bowl big enough for the snake to coil up in. Right. So when thinking about hide, water bowl two and one, would you be thinking about size of snake? And I guess you'd have to also think about what type of snake it is um, because you would need a certain size water bowl for a certain snake depending on what their age is. Yeah. Um, so you would have all different types of sizes of hide water bowl combinations. Yeah, so, you know, something like a, you know, sometimes with baby corn snakes, you want something that they can curl up in. And they just, it also needs to take into account how big each tub's gonna be, so the, the width of the tub, and then the length of the tub as well as making sure that the water bowl doesn't end up right near the hot spot. So the hive can be on a hot spot, but... Um, but right, you can't have the water bowl on that. But you can't have the water bowl on the hot spot all the time. The humidity will be way up there. So for some species that can't have it too warm, mm -hmm. you definitely want something that is going to be able to, you know, separate the water from the heat enough to where it's not raising the humidity in the enclosure. So you definitely have to have big variations in this product for this specific snake. Not big variations, it's certain sizes. Well, that's what I mean, like yeah. a multiple, a variety of sizes and a little bit designs where the water bowl would be far enough away from the heat tape and everything like that. Yeah, so I think I'm, I'm kind of in between two places as far as making something that's long enough to span almost the entire enclosure, which I think we should kind of do anyway because we're giving them a thermal gradient and they always want to be in a hide box, but but there's not a hide box at the cool end of the enclosure. So there must be more incentive for the snake to stay at the hot end. Mm -hmm. Because the hide box is there? So maybe that's something to consider. And so you would have it going across the width of the tub or the length of the well, it depends on what tub you're working with, but um, the way I'm thinking about it now would be, you know, the length of it. Okay. Half the width, full length, mm -hmm. like that, the and then the end will be a water bottle, or a water bowl. <laughs> so that the snake can be in the high, on the cool end, in the high end. Right. Just depending on what they want to do. Uh-huh. I wonder if anyone's ever oh, had two hides. I wonder if anyone's ever done that, where they have one on the cool end. In the hot end. Um, I'm not sure if any uh, breeders oh, out there. Oh, okay, now I hear myself. Yeah, um, I, have, I have to change the audio because the mixer was not working. Uh, so 
Okay. We're basically talking to microphones right now for no reason. We can hear oh. ourselves, but. So I don't need this anymore? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, mixer's not working. Again. Again, but for different reasons. I'm going to hang the headphones on oh, that. Nice. Okay. Um, sorry, I'm just this freaking. A little haphazard, but we're making it work. Yeah, we really need to get it together in many different ways. I don't. I think maybe just something with the Google Hangout and the audition just doesn't work well together. Maybe we should try it on the computer next time, and I'll have my computer up or something like that. So who knows? But okay. because it was working fine before. Mm-hmm. But, so I definitely want something that spans the whole enclosure. Something that's gonna offer this, uh, some type of variability to suit whatever the need is. Have you ever used two hides? No. In one tub? No. I would be interested to see if they, like, if the snake would transfer between both, if you had one at the coolant also. Um, obviously your product that would be lengthwise would make it, uh, better so that they wouldn't have a switch and they just have one, but we should try out putting one at the cool end and see if they go towards it. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is not ignoring all the temperatures in the middle as well. Okay. So, you know, what if it goes, what if I put one of those egg crates in with the corn snake mm-hmm. and make it the full length, they'll probably utilize that whole full length within a certain time period, so I believe that they'll be they will be, you know, at some point it's a little hotter, mm-hmm. ambient temperatures maybe more in the middle of the hide or something like that. So I think you would see them move around. We should try it. You know, yeah, yeah, we definitely should. And I think maybe that's what something we lack as far as keeping. Is you know, you only give your animal really one option. And then, but some racks they don't even use, you know, you don't even use a tub. I mean, if it's all enclosed, I guess that makes sense. If you're not using a tub, then maybe. Mm-hmm. And then also, like, my carpet pythons will move around their hide. Really? To go where they want to go. Because they're just big enough and strong enough to yeah. do that. Yeah. And I've seen ball pythons also do that. Just, like, push, So push, it's like push. maybe they just want, I don't know. They want the option for different places. Yeah. It's also interesting that the uh, snow corn snake likes to sit on top of the hive. And I don't know why. Do you know why she like to do that? I'm not really sure that corn snakes like to um, be hot, you know, as hatchlings and stuff. They're always running around the enclosure and stuff trying to get up high, trying to climb on anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're semi-arboreal kind of, you could call it as especially uh, a younger user, so. But I would think, I guess if they like to be hot, they would want to be closest to the heat page. Right. But getting on top of the hide doesn't. But heat rises also, so I wonder what the temperature is up there. Um, I don't know. I feel like the closer you are to the heat source. a little bit cooler. But yeah, that's kind of a weird preference, but yeah. If they were like, that one really the, likes And none of the others stay on top mm-hmm. of that hive. Just that, so maybe it's something to do with snow ones? I don't know. I don't know. No, that's probably not. Just a, probably a weird, just going to that that likes snake likes being yeah. on top? Yeah. Have you ever, no, it would be dumb to have a hide that's like upside down connected to the rack itself. 
Yeah, but they, you you've done it, they, people have done it in like enclosures, and it totally makes sense. And they put a hide like on top. You yeah. stop watching the fight that's on the um, TV. <laughs> um, but tubs and rats are completely different than enclosures, obviously. Yeah. Um, interesting. Well, so what after? So you have to get three D printed. Then what would come next? <laughs> what do I do after? I mean, then production, and then, you know, I want to send them to some people for free. Just send them, just keep like 30 of them to send to random people mm -hmm. and see how they like them. And then kind of take it from there and use them myself. And I'll probably only be able to get one size done. Originally. Originally, so. What would you aim that towards? What size, or for what snakes would you? Want your first one to be good for babies, adults? What? What would you make that first one? Um, I would probably. What makes sense is to make it that's for something that's going to uh, can be used for like adult ball pythons. That's what kind okay. of makes sense. But I, Not for that you. Size, <laughs> doesn't help for you. No, but. it doesn't help for me at all. But the fact is that I can use it better for. Um, you know, just it will be more useful for more people. I can try it on some carpet pythons, mm -hmm. but it's going to be the same. Right, but to get it out to other people, the best thing is to do ball pythons. Something that works for ball pythons. You know, just something that is going to work for most people. That's mm -hmm. going to be most people in general. So, if I made it just for me, then I would be what the ideal thing that I'm finding right now is definitely the egg crate thing. As far as giving them options to, to go find under all over things, mm -hmm. yeah, go over, over and under. So that works for now, but I mean, obviously it'd be nice if they're not uh, pushing over the water bowl all the time. Mm -hmm. yeah. And having it connected. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great plan and something that would make it easier on breeders to not have to think about that. And cleaning wise, you're cleaning one unit rather than two separate things. Yeah. I think it'd definitely be easier. Do you feel that a lot of breeders also, like after doing it for a while, they jump into reptile supply and like hiding extra things, or you feel like most of them just stick to snakes? Um, there's definitely some people. Um, there's some people who are more, I want to say, like business savvy that kind of take it in all directions as far as, um, you know, like Pangea, they do supplies online, they do gecko food, they, you know, produce gecko food, and okay. then they also sell animals, so they're doing okay. everything. So it's really just as far as you want to take it, I guess. Yeah. So. The big uh, companies like Rectichip and like the ones well, that... Well, not really that big of a company. Okay, well, that's just what I see the most sold at. So what... Yeah, so, but I'm saying that's like a small, that's like a pinhead if you go to ZooMed, you know, okay. that's who we're talking about. So it was like ZooMed started by a breeder, or like, I'm thinking the most of the companies that breeders use, were they started by breeders, or were they started yeah, by they're, they're started by breeders and or people who just kept reptiles. Okay. But, I mean, something like ZooMed has been in the works for, what, like, 40 years, so. Okay. 
Yeah, but it's an evolution over a bunch of time, for time. sure. But would you say most people use Zoomed products? Not most breeders, but most people who own snakes do. So that's like the disconnect between um, like Zoomed, and then there's also companies that work just for breeders, mm. but neither of them are doing that great for either. Okay. Why doesn't Zoomed appeal to breeders? Why does it appeal to just like reptile keepers, not breeders? I think people see it as like anything in Petco, anything from a big box store is like not good enough. Okay. When when the fact is that Zoomed does have good products and Zoomed gives more back to the reptile community than you know almost any other company out there. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to support them. They have good stuff, but they don't have good stuff at scale to the to the amount of you know things that breeders need. Really? Okay. So the fact is like they sell reptile heat masks. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's just you can't use that as a as a big breeder. You can't use a bunch of heat masks, you know, you need the heat tape. Mm-hmm. But also the heat the heat tape's about to light your house on fire, so you don't fucking know what to do with that. So So, so there's nothing that caters both great. Mm-hmm. I think ZoomEd does a good job on the pet side. But then again, I don't think their top priority is husbandry and new husband. Like, they've had a lot of the same products for a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And it's not catering to the new ways and new popular pets out there and the new ways of keeping. Okay. You know, things like... Things change. Things <laughs> like using, yeah, ceramic people for, you know, ball pythons and stuff like that. That time has passed, I think. Or is they still selling those? Yeah, yeah, but they're they're supposed to be used for you know you can use them for lizards and stuff and UV lights, obviously for lizards. So all that stuff is useful. It just needs to be used correctly. So there needs to be, and it comes in like a you know you can get like a ball python starter kit and we'll have that shit. Okay. So I think we really need to have a like actual enclosure that keeps humidity and actual good you know, set up for that it, on that end, and then in the big breeder end, stop making, you know, China toy factory thermostats, and stop making heat tape that's about to light our house on fire. We gotta figure out a way to improve these kinds of things. So ZooMed is mostly caters to just people who are keeping them as pets. What's a big company that uh, breeders go to? Or is that not, like, is there an equally sized company that breeders go to like ZoomEd? There's more niche places, but... Okay, like you go to little ones for different things? Yeah, so there's definitely, like, if you're talking to people who keep, like, natural vivariums, like, there's different sites for those people. Okay. There's also, like, Reptile Basics. They make a lot of these supplies for thermostats, stuff like that. So they're going to be catering more towards people with just snakes and predominantly ball pythons, maybe corn snakes, mm-hmm. and people who are keeping snakes in tubs, okay. apparently, or mostly, you know, mm-hmm. people who are keeping snakes in tubs. And then, um, you know, Pangeas supplying stuff for gecko people, okay. Josh's frogs for frog people, 
So there's a lot of different ones. Do you think it would be too hard for there are good ones. for one company to like do more than just Lumet? Would that be too hard, or do you think it's possible? All I'm asking for is in that niche to give you know the best product that you can. As far as I don't think that's currently happening, but also I understand the fact that uh, reptile breeders are only going to spend so much money on supplies when they could be spending money on snakes. But if you, uh, you know, have a product that's so valuable that they're willing to spend money because it saves them time and or their animals, then mm-hmm. I think that's worth it. So I um, need to find something. I don't know. I it's weird to me that that doesn't, if it, the companies were started by breeders, that, that, you know, when it comes, that that doesn't already exist. Like, breeders went through the same problems, people who run these companies went through the same problems that right. you're having, that any other breeders having. So why, I just don't kind of, I don't understand, like, why they wouldn't appeal to that. But I guess, like you said, because breeders' main spending of money is on more snakes, and right. it's not on supply they just want a supply that does something a hide that you can put in there and different things like that and most big big yeah, most big breeders don't even use hides really so what that's do you definitely use? Nothing. just nothing yeah interesting because it it's more just for the snakes right like it doesn't and make them I mean, that's another thing to get into right like how much does a snake need and what do we give our animals is it enough is it a hive yeah, isn't a need, it's yeah. a want, I guess they, you could they say. They still use it, you know, when right. it's they, in there. Right, when it's so in there, they use it, but it's... There's most certainly uh, some benefit to it, I would think. That they're using it. I mean, right. It's, but it's not like a life or death. It doesn't, or it doesn't add to the, you know, does it make breeding happen better or smoother? You know, it doesn't, because no. with breeders, their main focus is to bring, breed more. And so... Hides and things like that. But don't lead to... They're a breeder. They want to breed more. Yeah, yeah. But should it also be, am I doing better than just keeping my animals alive and keeping them breeding? Is breeding the... They continue to breed is a sign that they're healthy. They're not dying. They're not right. They're healthy. Uh-huh. And you can't, you know, they don't smile. Excuse me. They don't smile if you can't tell them they're happy or sad. Right. Um, so. But they also don't tell you when they're uncomfortable. Right. In a, in a way, they do, but they don't tell you, "Hey, I'm more comfortable doing this." Uh-huh. Right. Now. They're not like, "Hey, I would like to hide right now." Right. Um, and so it's kind of up to the breeder and what their priority is, and the breeders. For the most part, I think their priority is to breed more, keep right. them alive, to breed more. Yeah. Um. Because that's you know that's when you cross the line between just keeping a pet and it's your job. Like obviously, I'm not saying people who make it their job have any loss of like heart about the snake or love about it, but they also have to think about that. You need to pay bills every month. Right, and so like you're keeping them alive, you're breeding them, like their main focus is to breed them more. Yeah. And so how much are they going to spend on extra, how much would a snake breeder spend on extra things that may or may not make the snake happier, so to speak? Like how much money do snake breeders dedicate to keeping the snake happy? Right, and what's happy? 
Right, that's the thing and we don't know. That's why I'm putting it in air quotes because we don't know what happy is. Yeah. And so that's the hard part. Like, are people going to spend money on that? Yeah. If I'm just trying to, I don't know if I would do that. On my, is there any other thing other than hides that like you could buy that don't like lead to any direct benefits, but you could specifically use it? Is there anything else? What do you mean? So like the highs, if they don't make breeding any better, like they yeah. don't do any, they don't lead to any benefits like that, but snakes use it and we can tell they like it. Is there any other item or something else that you, you just hides? No, I mean, and then it's obviously supposed to make the way in the environment, so. Okay. Keeping it warm and then but that, the humidity. But like the warmness and humidities is for, um, sorry, is for keeping it alive. That's not for happiness. That's for keeping alive. Mm -hmm. The choosing the right temperature and the right humidity. Right. That's not happiness. That's for keeping alive. Yeah. Hopefully they're happy to be alive. Well, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> they also, I'm just thinking, what else is there that is just for keeping them happy? Well, I think highs is the only thing. Like yeah. That. Yeah, it's pretty much the only. I mean, I'm sure you could do a thousand different things. So, as far as can they bury bury themselves in their substrate? Do you have a tree in there for them to climb? I don't know. Right. But do or any... even UV lights is that a benefit to snakes? Because the fact like is, in the wild, mm -hmm. you may see a snake basking out on a rock. So, is that just for warmth, or do they need that UV light on them? Don't a lot of like just snake pet owners use UV lights or like when... mostly lizards, so mostly geckos. Okay, the people I know who just have like one snake, or, they have like yeah, the big that's, red that's light, the, geckos the big red light in the tank. Um, on is that really any helpful or does that lead to anything? Uh, for snakes, that's what mm -hmm. I was talking about. Those little lights that you pretty much shouldn't sell to people anymore. Oh, okay, just use a heat mat. But the only problem is also you need a heat mat with a thermostat. So who's going to buy a thermostat and a heat mat? I feel like that gets and above, tank, above the just regular pet owner. You already okay. paying $50 for a normal ball python. That goes higher. Or if you're at a show, you're spending $20 for a normal ball python. Then it's like, I don't want to do anything for this thing. It was supposed to be cheap, and now it's getting really expensive. So that's the way people view it, unfortunately. Um, I don't think those people are generally going to be great pet owners anyway, but but the fact is that they need a better option to keep their animals at least at a baseline decency. But do you think they're told, like, oh, get this light? No, yeah, it's the way to do it. Yeah, they're like, get this light, put it on but, top. But, but they don't, you know, they only know what they can know also. You know, they're only trained so much or, mm -hmm. you know, not they're not all reptile people or anything like that. So you can't fault them for telling people to do this. And, and they're still, it's in the source. So they're like, oh, whoever is doing inventory provides this light. So it must be what you should use. You know, right. like it's in their store. So why not try to sell it? But um, it's just interesting that Zoom. Well, no, like, because it's put out there as the starter mm -hmm. kit to evolve pythons. It's interesting that ZoomEd doesn't take it upon themselves to change what they're selling, to change the starter kit, so to speak. I think once you get that big and you have a company, you know, that's 
turning and burning and you know multi-million dollar company i think it's hard to to get back down to you know the ground level so they're still doing their own thing i'm sure they don't realize that husbandry is taking a different turn and then maybe they're not sure how to um go about improving the products in order to keep up with you know the modern husbandry husbandry uh, practices and can you, I don't know it's hard can you fault them either when they're, they're they can so only put big. in so much right. time in so many different places to make a perfect product they need it they need to make products that go you know across all boundaries so you know they can't be making products for everyone or else they're making products for no one and you can't make a product for one person and, and not for everyone so they kind of have to be in a weird middle ground you to make it for everyone you have to lower you have to make you have to make um you know trade-offs so i think that's why there are so many niche uh supply companies so that they don't have websites. to make those trade-offs right so that they can you know make a better product if it's only going to a certain amount of people they can still make a better product for those small amount of people yeah but then i don't know i guess it's a hard game to play because you want to make a product that you know you can reach as many people as possible mm-hmm. but you don't want to to give up any ground on i think how good it is. The, the best way oh you said anyone have any tips on how to find a corn snake that escaped its shelter? It's been a day and can't seem to find him. So the escaped snakes, especially corn snakes, They're if so it's young, sneaky. yeah, they get out really quick. So definitely check if you have any heat tape or anything. Make sure that your room's closed off if you can. And if there's any heat tape, check under each tub and around the heat tape. And then after that, go to you know pick up everything uh if, if it's in a bedroom or if you think it could be outside i mean they like being under the refrigerator that's going to be a warm spot or um you know just under anything in the that's room that they were in and then baby corn snakes usually climb up so when they escape you may find them higher than they are they may be going through windowsills stuff like that so you want to check those areas um you can leave I've never really had success with this because I've always had so many hot spots in the room itself because it's always got loose in a snake room. So they just go to a different hot spot. But people have set up, you know, like mini hot spots to on the floor. Them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On the floor in the room. So that hopefully you wake up and the snake is hanging out in the hot spot. So yeah, there's a few different things so to check- do. Check hot places in your apartment or home. Any Look up by a small there. space they can find with you. And if that doesn't work, set a trap, so to speak, yeah. to attract them to a special place. Right. How many snakes have you had escape? Uh, if you keep snakes all the they're going to um, escape at, <laughs> at some point. point. Yeah. Uh, so your mom? My mom said her tvs hung on the wall and they found an escape snake on the tvs TV. are hot yeah <laughs> yeah so behind the tv is our escape, but it didn't but go far he just she just stuck underneath the heat tape because mm-hmm, that's the hottest place most likely yeah so i mean really it's just hot spots okay 
Interesting. Have you had any big snakes escape or all little ones? No, all little ones and all either my fault or <laughs> or the tub just the space was There's too big in between. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which happens a lot. And um doing things like putting tops on tubs and then putting paper clips and like like tubs that don't totally clamp down on all four sides. Mm -hmm. And then you gotta be careful because if you don't like have strong clips on the other sides that aren't clipped down, then the snake can get out of there. You may think he's not going to, but it will he's eventually. It just yeah. Which is interesting because you think you are making a tub with a very directed heat source. So like why would they want to, like you think they would be why would tub. right, why would they want to escape when you have heat coming right under their tub? Like I don't understand that. Right. Is it just because they don't like enclosed spaces? But then I think they do like enclosed spaces because when they escape, they just go to another small type of space. So I, right. Yeah. Or maybe they want, you know, during the night they're going to move. So you may see them all hiding in their hide all day. But when mm -hmm. you go to sleep, they're all moving around their tub. Why? You know, hunting or especially the corn snakes, they'll move around because they do. They're much more mobile as far as like hunting goes. So, I mean, they did studies with telemetry on eastern indigos, which is a, an endangered species throughout like Georgia, the, um, the longleaf pine forest, which they're mostly prevalent, I believe, in like northern Florida and throughout Georgia. And um, they did radio telemetry and they found that they traveled up to a mile each breeding season. What? Just yeah. like back and forth. Yeah. That's Between crazy. hunting and finding mates and stuff like that, they covered over a mile. So so I think snakes move around a lot more than you think that they do. But even when they're um they don't have to hunt, like when they're not in the wild, they still and they don't have to hunt and they still naturally They have no idea that they're not in the wild. Either way they're still gonna be uh opportunistic feeders, so they're never really going to, most snakes, um, you know, won't really turn down a meal because they don't know when the next meal is coming. Okay. But if you own ball pythons, you're like, my snake never eats. But, <laughs> but you know, it's, snakes are opportunity eaters, so whenever they see a meal that they like, they'll eat. So, so essentially, snakes probably move around more than we think. Yeah. We just don't hear it. And that's also certain species, so it's species dependent for sure. And so the more they move around, the greater the chances that they could escape and get out. Would you say? The, the more they what? The greater the chance that they could escape and get out. What? The more they move around. I mean, yeah, they can't escape by not moving. Right, that's what I'm saying. Because <laughs> you said it depends on the species. And right, yeah, right. so... Ball pythons are definitely more sedentary, but they will still get out if they want to. So, um, yeah, they won't go very far. They're much easier to find than a corn snake. A corn snake will cover a lot of ground in a day. Mm -hmm. And a ball python won't move that far. Yeah. Interesting. They're, they're definitely, ball pythons are definitely like right out of the heat tape every time. That's what I was saying. Always trying to move towards heat. You never like lose them for real. <laughs> they don't go very far. Corn snakes, though, they, they're just they will vanish. Often gone. Yeah. That's very interesting. How many snakes would you say 
be fasting? Wow. Like over 20? Um, in Colorado, I didn't put the, the side on the, the side on my rack on correctly. So there was like, um, the, the side bars, I just didn't put on there so the tub could slide out kind of like how it is now. Mm -hmm. It could slide out to the side and then leave a crack for a snake to get out. So like my first day in Colorado, I put all the snakes back, everything. I didn't put on the sides yet. I was going to do that the next day. And then, like, I woke up to pee in the middle of the night, and then there was a water python in Dixie's water bowl. <laughs> so, and the water python isn't, like, the best snake to have in the water bowl. But I was really happy for it being in her bowl, which is only, like... An easy place to find I mean, her. <laughs> yeah, it was, like, 12 feet away from the, the enclosure, and she was pretty small at the time, so I felt like I was never going to find her I didn't get her out, so. Do they like hanging out in water a lot, typically? Um, they are water pythons, but um, in captivity, it's kind of hard. Maybe they should be in water a lot more. Just like uh, people keep anacondas very terrestrial in captivity, so they'll have anacondas. Even though they may have a big water bowl, they'll have an enclosure that's going to be like a regular snake. It's going to be, uh, you know, newspaper a ball, and that's pretty much it. Okay. So even though anacondas, if you go to the zoo and you see them in a big enclosure with water or you see them in the wild, so many times they're in the water. Very often they're in the water. So I wonder so why don't they why just, we get away with having them yeah. as terrestrial species Why don't they here. provide more water for them in there? I just think it's not reasonable for sure. It's not reasonable, but then should that be an animal that you keep? I don't know. I, I've never well, kept I guess, them. I mean, if they're able to keep them alive, And keep that goes back to the fundamental question. Is it more than keeping them alive? Right, right. So, what so, so that being like, maybe, maybe the water python I should have water. <laughs> what kind of right. water bowl do you have in your water park? Just a regular. Just a regular. regular size for like this? Yeah. Oh. So you should try going bigger. See if she would benefit. If I if I did that, I would have to I would have to make something. Um, I'd have to make an enclosure with part terrestrial, part water. It would have to be a whole process in order to do that. Because right. even though she's a water python, you would still want to have that terrestrial part. Right. Okay. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what you're making during. Friday night? What's I thought it was on the 29th. Is that Friday? No, I don't think so. We need we need explanation. Yeah, I've been needing more details. I don't know what you're talking about. Bone daddies in Arlington. Oh, is that pre pre carpet fest? Oh, I, I thought you meant I thought you meant making dinner. No, like, you meant like making like like making a meal. Yeah, no, like, you mean <laughs> are we going to dinner on Friday? Is this a pre carpet fest uh celebration? Also I wanna ask oh, Pre-carpet fest activities. I'm down. Bone, Bone Daddy's is a restaurant, isn't it? So know. what a restaurant is here in Dallas. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of restaurants to where breasts are out. There's basically that's why they're called restaurants. Yeah, or butts. <laughs> butts like but 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 there's a lot of them in Dallas in comparison to the rest of the world. I'd say this is. Uh, pound for pound, the rest biggest of the restaurant, restaurant capital of the world. 
Evans not really. But you've been to some really savage places. I feel I like, haven't... or he may be saying Bone Dad and isn't really about to wrong. I don't know if he's saying that really too. But like, I feel like most places, Hooters is like the one go-to place. Yeah, that's normal. And you have, right. But Dallas like has like a bunch. I'm going to get a snake soon, hoping I'm getting a Brazilian rainbow fella. And it's, it's not Twin Peaks. Okay, so Bone Daddy's is not a full-on breast. Bone Daddy. Bone Daddy sounds it like sounds it. It sounds like it, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. Wait, no, I'm I'm not what are your thoughts on Brazilian rainbow boas? Brazilian rainbow boas are cool. Okay, don't they don't they breed a different time than other ones? Yes. Okay. Observation. So Brazilian rainbow boas built breed. Are spring breeders. Gonna say that. Okay. Let me impart the one bit of knowledge that I know about snakes. That's all I had to say. That's all I had to say is that Brazilian rainbow rows breed in the spring. Is there any benefit to that, or it's just something different? Like, no, but with Brazilian rainbow bows, the thing you need to make sure is that you're keeping humidity up. That's pretty much it. They just like higher okay. humidity. Just. How do you go about? Because they're they're in the rainforest of Brazil. How do you increase humidity to the height or to the level? I would say if I was to keep a uh, Brazilian rainbow bow, I'd probably keep it on Bethesda. Keep it, you know, on a little bit more, kind of like how I keep the salmon on the ground boa. Some spray action. Yeah, yeah. So action. just keep it a little bit moist in there, just so they don't dry out. Okay. Um, I wonder if this person's looking to breed. Or they just want to keep it as a pet because then the whole spring breeding doesn't even matter. Yeah, um, seems like maybe being like one of their first snakes. Okay. Um, what do you? What are your thoughts on that as a first snake? Do you think uh, they're pretty not, easy? No, I want to say hard. Not probably the best first snake. Just like ball python is not going to be the best first snake, just because of my own reason. So that's your own personal reason. Right. Right. Yeah. So. So I think it is because the fact is that if the one person is already looking, if someone knows what a Brazilian rainbow boa is, they're probably putting in a little research. They're probably they know more than their average. Getting it on top of the husbandry of it. So if you just have a Brazilian rainbow boa, it's a lot easier to take care of. Uh, you know, just one snake with more, just one snake with more uh, strict. Husbandry, so. Wait, sorry. Evan, so, okay, Evan, we want to go. It went away. But yes, are you down for dinner on Friday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry, we Evan, want to go. So, uh, but the person said, what's the, the best, best first snake? The best first snake, and um, I guess it depends what country. And if you're in the United States, it's going to be a corn snake for sure. Or, <laughs> so, um, that's just that's just being a mindless husbandry thing. If you want to put the effort in, like anything is good for a snake, you just have to. Do the due diligence. If you're if you're listening to us in the first place, that means that you're doing more due diligence than, than average most people. Most people are just showing up to the pet store or wherever yeah. the hell, getting their and snake just and just doing it on the fly. So the fact that you're just looking into anything in the beginning is a sign that you're responsible enough to take care of a Brazilian rainbow boa. Or like what Evan said, get carpets. Evan likes carpets. They are mindless as far as humidity goes. Um, I've seen them survive at room temperature for many, many years. Don't do that. But the fact is that if it happens, their requirements are people under planet. They're kind of like corn snakes of Australia, of the python world, as far as 
you won't have you won't have many problems with them at all. That's why I think they, the best thing for looking for your first pet is what you don't have to put in a lot of effort in. But if this is a person who wants to put in a lot of effort, you know, go right? For because it. putting what's putting into a, what's putting in a lot of effort for someone who has one snake than someone who has a hundred. So maybe I don't have a hundred elephant trunk snakes because they have to be in the water hundred mm -hmm. percent of the time. That doesn't sound very good to have when I have other snakes with Definitely. different husbands. Mm -hmm. So it really depends. If I had one snake, it may be a tentacle snake or something weird that needs very particular stuff. Okay, that's, that's someone you're okay with putting the effort for that specific yeah. particular stuff. So I think so um, right now when you have many snakes, you're spreading your effort. Right, but I think a rainbow boa isn't that hard um, as far on the level. But if you're thinking about any others, a corn snake or, like Evan said, a carpet as far as, like, they can handle a lot of stuff. Right, because as a beginner, you're going to fuck up. Even as no someone who's been doing it forever, you're going to fuck up. So the things that are going to, especially in the beginning, to not get... Um, what would you call that? You know, not to lose motivation, keeping, not to get discouraged and keeping reptiles. You definitely want something that's going to be okay with your beginner mistakes and some things that go wrong while you're figuring stuff out. Don't get a white thing that you said. Don't get a don't get a red incandescent. Don't get a red light. No matter it. what Petco or anything <laughs> tells you, don't get a bright red light for your snake. Yeah, just just ask someone. Uh, you know, knowledgeable who may breed Brazilian rainbow bows or keep Brazilian rainbow bows if that's the, you know, the way you want to go or if you want to keep corn snakes on the keep corn snakes something like that. That's pretty much it. Best place to just ask someone who's Ask the actual source. Um, and, and you'll know people who are more willing to talk than others as far as that goes. Don't be discouraged if one person doesn't uh, message you back in May take forever as far, or they may have so many messages, it takes forever to get through them, or if they don't answer all the messages, so just, you know, you yeah. can ask like a bunch of people and Yeah, for anyone who's watching, stuff. probably mainly Evan, we were talking earlier about anacondas and how in the wild they are frequently surrounded by water, that's what you're saying, right? Yeah, and then many times you find them in the water. So then do you think breeders should keep anacondas in more water centers? Because we, we keep them pretty much 100% terrestrial. We keep them on newspaper with water bowls. So do you think we should, uh, what's the word, match more in our keeping of <coughs> how they are in the wild? Because um, we do for the most, you do for the most part keep stuff um, you know, like it is in the wild, but we were just talking specifically about anacondas. Should you keep, should you match your uh, tank or whatever more to what, how they are in the wild? Mm -hmm. Is there any other one you can think of that we don't match it to the wild as much as you think, or as much as it is? Um, I mean, yeah, everything, because everything, there's little things that exist in the wild. As far as carpets, half the time you find those, they're in trees or at least coming up. And we give them no sort of, well, you can't put a, tr a huge they, tree. They're, they're all over the place. The fact is, you know, same with corn snakes, they're all over the place as far as, you know, you find like things like Texas rat snakes, all rat snakes, you know, you'll find them up in the bark of trees and stuff like okay. that. How do you provide there's that? No way to, there's no way to give that. Right. Um, so, so what's the cutoff? What can you do? You know, what's the best 
is there what's one that can be done that isn't being done? Obviously, bark you can't do, putting any sort of tree you can't do. What's something that a snake has in the wild that we're not giving them in our enclosures? Uh, a varied diet for sure. Okay, right, because they they can't be that picky in the wild. They have to get what they can get. Right. right. So often, I mean, you can imagine probably baby corsets are probably eating. How often are you gonna find a newborn pygmy mouse? They're not. Wild? That's gonna be a special. No, meal. no, they're feeding mostly on gnolls. They're feeding mostly on little toads. On what? Probably even. What's the first thing you said? Gnolls. So probably even many insects. There's right. definitely they found green tree pythons. You know, babies eating larger in insects. So that's definitely a um, okay. possibility. So how how could you provide all that stuff? Someone just asked what are we talking about? Um, just right now we're talking about how to match more what snakes get in the wild to how we're keeping them. Obviously there's some things that you can't do, like bark and big trees, like you can't do that in your enclosure. But what more can a snake breeder do to have their enclosure match what a snake is getting out in the wild? So we're specifically talking about right now a varied diet. Because like you just said, so you said there's green, they found green trees that eat insects? Right. So they, you know, they'll pretty much, they'll almost eat anything. I mean, they have to. So To survive. And right. especially a snake so small, you know, what are your options that you can swallow whole? Mm -hmm. And the fact is that we're feeding, we're feeding these things, you know, at least once a week. So mm -hmm. they must be finding prey at a reasonable rate to do you think they're finding prey once a week? Or yeah, more? like how often, if they're sitting there waiting for a mouth to go right by their nose. Mm -hmm. Are they even finding prey? How much prey? Are, they, are they really eating? Mm -hmm. Or maybe they're doing something else, maybe just. And is it just too hard for breeders to have such a, give such a varied diet as far as money and keeping money. it? It's yeah. money is the main, but like insects don't cost that much. Right. I mean, that's to say, but that's also, a far out idea as far as um it's you know a far out idea as far as what insects are from where how do you even give them insects how do you do anything oh sorry if you're <laughs> if english is that what you're saying listening to english is hard sorry <laughs> uh i wish I, we had a real time translator yeah if only we could if instagram translated it to you and translating you, right. I mean, that's very far. Um, oh, Korean. Wow, yeah, can't help I you. I can't even say anything. I can't say hello in Korean, so <laughs> I am sorry. But you do have cool rat snakes that you can play with in Korea. They have a lot of rat snakes? As far as, uh, you know, Asia in general has a lot of really cool colubrid species. Okay, do you keep any rat snakes? Oh. Uh -oh. Uh, Is that maybe how you say hello? I don't know. They lost me. Um, but we only have a minute left, so... Oh, that's how you say that's hello. That's how you say hello. Uh, I don't even want to try. I'll be too I'll embarrassing. Sound, <laughs> also sound awful. Um, you have any biox? Is that what you're trying to say? Balls. Ball Balls. Are there a lot of ball pythons in Asia? Oh, yes, they're infected as well. I know that people ship over to Japan and know they big thing in Korea. Okay. I'm sure everywhere in the world is a much smaller place now. Mm -hmm. What about rat snakes? But I mean, you know, probably just like there, I mean, 
ball pythons take over as far as something that is very um, attractive mm -hmm. for financial reasons as well as so many options. So, right, people like it. So, so worldwide, I mean, there's a... You think ball pythons are just the top everywhere? Yeah, I mean, okay. but, and, and the U.S. market pretty much determines many of the other markets. Really? As far as in the Asian countries, the rat snakes are sold for food. That's how we get a lot of the rat snakes into the hobby because in China they were going and picking up rat snakes and you know shipping them over in we all types of conditions. Yeah, we keep them. So, we eat them. so they were like, oh, they'll sell them to us for like a dollar. We can import them to the United States and sell them for like two hundred dollars mm because -hmm. people want to keep them, which is right. ridiculous. But to them, it's ridiculous because they're like, we eat. Them. They're like, kind of like these are garbage. Oh, okay. Or like meant to be eaten, you know. Not no meant other. to be kept. Right, right. So. Very interesting. Just such so, a different view. Right. On the snakes completely. So, but why does you? Why is the U.S. the one that sets the market for other countries? Just simply because being needed? Because other countries eat them, or? No, no. Just because we have the most snake breeders, we have the biggest really? economy. I would think Australia has a lot. Um, they don't because of how strict their laws are. So. Okay. They need all types of licenses just to keep animals. And really? Types of animals. So there's a higher threshold to get animals, as and then also like different interstate trade, even within Australia. Obviously, you can't ship anything in. Um, if you think about it, Australia has as many people as about the state of California. Okay, so you're right. No, no, actually, I think it's LA, like the LA metro area. Is the whole continent the whole of Australia. Continent of Australia, which is about. You know, a little bit bigger than the United States. I think. That's insane. So, all those people, that little people on all that land, the economy is not very big as far as size, and also it's a closed economy. Because mm -hmm, they and, can't import and export right, to anyone. Right. So, it's not as far as they are very snake centric, as Australia as a nation in general is very mm -hmm. snake centric and very into keeping wildlife. It also makes it hard to for captive keepers. Seems very hypocritical. Like, oh, we're really into this. We're gonna like push the awesomeness of these well, animals. You're going we're gonna to, make it hard for you to keep them. Yeah, because what matters for them is conservation of nature, which makes sense. So okay, I guess that I don't disagree sense. with it, but but as far as captive captivity, it makes it a little bit harder. But you don't want it to be super easy and affect nature and affect the everything going on there. Right. Interesting. So that's why, and then things like in the UK is very big, but um, just the amount of room that they have is very different, the lifestyle and stuff. You know, everyone is living in apartments, everyone's dealing with mm -hmm. a size crunch. It's just not the, it's just not the same as living here. In we tend to have a lot of space for a bunch cheaper than what they have. And then the other one, I mean, Germany is a very big one. Really? Yeah, I but why? I have no idea. <laughs> Random. Honestly. But that's where, like we said before, that's where the, the Australian portal is. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it, like Sweden, so Germany, a lot of those countries have some high, um, some really big breeders as, and a really good market. But the U.S. is just much bigger. And, you know, we even have like sub- you know, culture in the within it. Wait, I want to pause you. I'm sorry. It says we have four viewers on YouTube, and if you're watching on YouTube, it'd be awesome if you could comment to make sure you 
I want to make sure they can hear it. <laughs> Since someone commented earlier and said they can't hear on YouTube. So if right. you are watching on YouTube, let us know in the chat if you can figure I out how to get there. Hear us. Why are you watching us, you weirdos? They like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're really good at being lit. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, if you can figure out how to comment on the YouTube thing. But, okay, back to what we were talking about. Um, so, shoot, I lost it. So we're talking about how the U.S. dictates the rest of the market. Right. So as far as like, okay, palmettos. Palmettos are coming like slowly becoming the big thing in the U.S. Is it not going to be told super big in the U.S. that it will hit the other countries? No. Okay. You could sell it over to Japan, but but it's not going to get over there. But then again, the demand is going to be so much higher for those kind of places. But there's also a big problem with getting proper paperwork and getting things. So, the so there's a, there's a big barrier. Okay, but do you, so as the desire and excitement for Palmettos is rising here, it's not, it's not rising in the other countries currently, or you don't know? No, no, it is, but I mean, maybe everyone's looking to be the first somewhere mm -hmm. for everything. Mm -hmm. So we're going to feed our own readers probably first, because it's much easier than getting- And worrying about anything else. In order for someone to, ship to China, they're going to want, like, they could sell it here for 50 grand. Why mm -hmm. would they want to take the extra trouble? You know, they would have to sell it for even more than that to get Do it over shipping there. and Right. And then maybe, and maybe their market doesn't have many people willing to spend 50 grand, but the United States is a bigger market, mm -hmm. has those people that are willing to spend that money. So. I think it's more sensible, much easier to get it started. Um, to get it started, I guess I needed to hear. Uh, yeah, us. he said hello, so maybe. And, and we see you this time. We didn't fuck it up. We actually. We can see the comments on YouTube. So. Um, you're talking about. Oh yeah, so there's uh, more people willing to spend more money here, so. So it's just smarter to stay within the United States as far as like new and up and coming. Species or more. And then it whatever. takes so long. It takes one person, though, you know, to put in the effort to become that guy somewhere else. As far as you should um, be the China palmetto guy. Yeah, <laughs> and then also like right, if you're Mark Mandic in Canada, there used to be almost no. Um, there used to be not many more to ball python. They were like five years behind on all ball python. In Canada? Yeah. It's like right there. Yeah, though. but it's not, it? it's not easy to import even from Canada. Do they have strict import laws in Canada? Oh, okay. Strict enough to where you still need paperwork to get mm -hmm. in between. So you're having to do like, I believe it's cited paperwork and dealing with a broker to get them out of the country. So there's a high level of work that needs to be done to get them there. So Mark Mandic took the time to do the work and court all the snakes. Now he is on the same level mm -hmm. as U.S. breeders, but in Canada, and since he's in Canada, he's, he's fucking slaves. He's yeah. the but he just had to put in a lot more a effort. A lot more effort, but now them. he's the guy, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I guess he could do that anywhere. Become the guy. But it's, I think it's a little bit easier to multi because there's a lot more genes to work with as far as, um, you know, if you're doing corn snakes, unless it's really hard to get them in and there's none at all, I mean, you really want the, 
like anyone could get the palmetto and the scaleless and be on the same page, right? Mm -hmm. The ball pythons is combinations of a whole bunch of different things, right? Right. You know, Palmettos, you know what you're putting into it to get it out, right? Uh huh. So can we become like the Egypt guy? Yeah, if you want to hear, <laughs> we're the Brazil <laughs> guys. Man. Okay. Marcus said, my brother just picked up a ball python pair, and the guy said they were breeding already and looking. He has kept them together the whole time. And locking, excuse me. He has kept them together the whole time he's had them. My question is, can I put another one? Or is um, you should probably um, not have them together in the first place as far as... Can they kill each other in there? Or will they kill each other? No, I wouldn't say that they're going to kill each other at this point, but it's definitely coming to a point where you're going to have them fighting over the hot spot. And then certainly if you have a pair that's locking, I mean, you need your your female to get um, heat on her eggs and on her follicles that are developing. So you want all that to go smoothly, and heat allows that process to happen. So you definitely want them both to have um, adequate heating and most of the time you'll have one that takes over the whole heat spot and then the other can't get heat and so they're being kept at a constant cooler temperature and then they may get sick and then um, if a female if she doesn't get proper heat and the follicles don't grow um, correctly you start getting slugs and then also you may even have some issues with definitely with fertility as far as the egg gonna be fertile. Mm -hmm. And then also with maybe even getting um, what would you call it? Um, you know, eggs that don't egg bound. But so, don't make it past that. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So and then and then you may have to send in your female for surgery to get the egg out or hopefully you can get it out. But so it's just gonna add to possible Right, you're just you're just putting stress on the snake. It doesn't need to happen. So definitely, I would put one ball python to each enclosure when they breed. Um, just put them together for maybe 24 hours to 48 hours, and then take them out, and then reintroduce them again, you know, a week later, and then just keep on doing that. Otherwise, um, it's not it's not the best to keep them together. Yeah. Got it. Um, what? Species will kill each other if they're together. Um, cake snakes will kill each other if they're together as far as they are um, mostly snake eaters in the wild. Really? Yeah. But you don't feed king snakes, other snakes. But I surely could. But they'll pretty much eat anything. But So um, then why in the wild are they mostly snake eaters if they'll eat anything? Well, they're probably hiding under things where other snakes happen to. Mm -hmm. I mean, they'll they'll eat anything, but um, yeah, so they will definitely eat each other. Even when when you're breeding, you know, you gotta keep an eye on them. They mm -hmm. may eat each other or wrap each other together. Or olive pythons, uh, they've eaten each other yeah, before. No, um, like like blackhead pythons. Um, different things that eat snakes in the wild, you definitely don't want to keep those together. Mm -hmm. um, you really don't want to keep any snakes together unless you have a super big enclosure with multiple hot spots, multiple hides, multiple places for everyone to feel like they have their own part of the enclosure. Because they don't want the heat, and so they got to feel like they can get to it. Right, like like if, when we went to DFW Reptarium, they keep a pair of animals together. 
but how big is that enclosure? Mm -hmm. That enclosure is like 10 feet tall and like five feet wide, you know? So, and it's offering multiple hotspots, multiple elevation changes, multiple places to hide, things mm -hmm. like that. So if you're a zoo and or, you know, a person who has a lot of space, you can work that out, but for the most part. At the Reptarium, they also kept, what that we played with? Do you remember they kept those in the same enclosure? We played with them, I don't remember what they were. Um, there's, they do keep most of them separate, but they did have those extreme open piece together. Um, core snakes obviously are very hardy and there's not much that you can do to, to hurt them. To hurt them. They have definitely eaten each other before. Pretty rare that it happens. Same with fall time. They've eaten each other before. Very rare, but, um, you know, it's a risk. But for a uh, pet store, you know. They can't have all the individual. They, they have a lot of enclosures now. They do a really good job with it, but I think sometimes you, you know, you have to do that. You have to just do it. That's the, that's the least of the bad things you can do is put two core snakes together, I think. So, so yeah, that's why they're not together forever, you know, just mm -hmm. for... Also, you have to think like pet stores are selling them, so... So hopefully they're like turned they're over pretty fast right. and not like that forever. So. Right, like a pet owner will keep them more, you know, together for longer. Right. Uh, interesting. What do you... Well, no, I was about to ask the question. I already know the answer to. Well, Let's say what's the most sold thing at DFW Reptarium when you're in fall tag on. Yeah, yeah, that's so, true. I know the answer to that question. Right? And, I, and I wonder why that is such a. I mean, they're obviously must be the best looking snake and best. Are reptarians uh, a thing all over the country, or even all over the world? Are reptarians? Uh, it's, it's a word I think solely made up for different like roadside zoos or pet stores. Okay. I don't think it's so. It's combination. It's not an actual thing, but there's serpentariums, reptariums, there's okay, but they exist. Whatever you places, want to say, right? terariums. Oh, I have no idea. Okay, I've never heard of another one. Really? Because you'd think it'd be some, you know? Because to me, it's just a name, though. Okay. Well, I guess when I went into the DFW Reptarium, it felt like a step above Petco. You know, it wasn't Petco. It wasn't no, Petco. it's way above and so Petco. It's above that. And so it's made specifically for reptiles, and then it's, you know, kind of showing proper husbandry at the same time. So it's not doing the regular pet store, putting, you know, 50 whatever's in a mm -hmm. tank with nothing in it. And so are places like that, I'm saying, do those exist a lot across the country? Yeah. Places that are above. Those are pretty rare as far as there's probably ones that do it right. You know, there's maybe a handful, maybe ten. Really? I feel like yeah. that would be such a It's not very profitable though, because you know, you're spending so much money on display cages and different husbandry stuff. And okay. if you're keeping a ride a wide array of species like they are, you know, they're making a lot of specializations for different animals. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's just a high, high cost involved with that. But and that's why the, people don't want to do it. If you're the only one in the area, a lot of people are coming to buy from you. That would offset that cost, wouldn't it? Yeah, but how much easier is it to buy 100 ball pythons, breed them together, and sell them And online? just ball pythons online, <laughs> than having to store and having to pay for all that. And having to pay your rent and all that. I guess it also, in my eyes, it helps educate people who, you know, like there was people all in there who weren't super breeders. They were just, you know, regular people. No, just people coming through because they were interested. So 
an opportunity to educate people pretty much, and I think they do a good job of that as far as showing them how to keep and showing them cool animals and different animals and not just ball pythons. I think uh, things like shows, they kind of lose a lot of, I don't know, just credibility. As, not credibility, but like just loses that feeling to where back in the day you'd go to a show and you'd find something that you may not have known existed before or you're like, holy shit, what's that at first? Or I've never seen one that looks like that. Um, you know, just different species and different things that you didn't know existed. Part of that's the internet. Part of that is now it's all the shows are mostly ball icons because that's what most of people want. Um, so you, you feel know, like you're going. Cater to what people want. You feel like you're going and you know, for the most part, what's going to be there when you go to shows now. Yeah, and, and people get excited at different ball icons work, but I think seeing to me, I'm just a different species. I like to see a different. But that's just me. Everyone else gets excited by by different boards that they've never seen before. I mean, but if you're looking at some of these smaller shows, they don't have many world firsts. They don't have many. I think a a big problem with the smaller breeders is they haven't differentiated themselves at all yet. You know, they haven't had that project. So it's things they haven't had that vision to do like what Justin Cabelta does and put this team to this team. And make something that looks amazing mm-hmm. that no one ever thought was going to happen and no one's seen it before. So when they stop at your table, they're like, holy shit. Um, most of the people just at this point, it's just the regular run of the mill stuff. So I think people need more secure corners and have a little bit more vision and creativity when it comes to that to set yourself apart. So, like, if I know your name and you're a ball python breeder and you think you've probably come out with something really cool mm-hmm. that I like. But for the most so. part, they just kind of all go together because they're producing the same stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, he said, do you so have any So, Marcus Perez asked if I have any corn snake eggs right now. I We're waiting. I female. She's about to have a three-leg shed. So, not now. Hopefully by a month. May, oh, in the best. May? Yeah. Okay. How old we is this female that don't you know. know? You don't know how old she is. How, long, how long have you had her? I have had her for about four years. Okay. And we bred her with one we've had for 14, 14 years. years. We put her with a grandpa. Uh-huh. And it took, do you, so it took us a while to get that going. Do you think uh, the male's age had any effect on that, or no? It took a while to go to get going because I didn't, um, I didn't brewmate them uh, like you're supposed to. What are you supposed to do? I didn't because uh, I moved here. I wasn't sure how I was gonna get the the male and female down to 55 degrees. So what I did is I slowed down feeding. I dropped off the temp in the cages. So they were staying at room temperature in the winter, which fluctuated high from 58 to 72, and didn't eat them, and or didn't feed them. Haven't <laughs> didn't eat them either, but I didn't feed them, and then checked on them to see if they were maintaining proper, you know, like body weight mm-hmm. stuff like that. Because I wasn't sure while I was mm-hmm. no, like I wasn't sure that if I didn't brumate them, the metabolism was going to keep on going. That they'd get really skinny without feeding them. Mm-hmm. They weren't. So I kept them that low for maybe three months, jacked it up a little bit, 
uh, Fed started feeding heavily. So I think the, the feeding sparked them to get back up, even though the temperature change is much more slight than usual, mm -hmm. it still worked, but it seemed like it took her an yeah. extra shed for some reason. It doesn't make any sense, but I wasn't planning for it to make sense because I didn't think it was going to work. But it did somehow. But it did because they're coin snakes and they're probably going to breed if they're probably double clutch, but he's an old man, so I'm not sure how fertile they're going to be, but she's definitely very pregnant and definitely very much has eggs. So age does have a factor in some of it. Just like everything else, living, you know, once you get humans. older, you don't get. But males, it seems like they can. They definitely go they, longer. <laughs> they can continuously do it. Yeah, human males, human males can, could go on. Right. Males obviously different. Right. But so is that true in snakes that like males can go on for a while? Seems to be true as far as the pregnancy is going to take a lot bigger of a toll on a female than it is for a male. Yeah. He's just depositing and moving on She's with his life. The female has to do all the hard work, especially for a cold blooded animal that you know, process in their body, you know, being cold-blooded. Mm -hmm. Like, once you start developing eggs and you're not passing food through there or anything like right. that, you know, you're using all your energy to calcify these eggs and pretty much incubate them in your body mm -hmm. until they grow big enough to lay them. So if you're old, you, that's a hard work. Right. Well, I hate to cut this short, but I have homework to do. Right. So, we didn't cut this short. This has been like two hours. Well, to stop it. Period. <laughs> well, um, thank you guys for listening. Thank you. Marcus Perez is still there, and then there's someone else. I'll be but, uh, <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. We will catch you next week. Hopefully, we will have figured out at least something as far as audio goes. Uh, maybe we'll be here at 5 o'clock. Maybe we won't. Maybe. We try. See you guys later.